Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rash's World. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, uh, Juliet Ho. Welcome to Rash's World. Thank you so much for having me. Great. So what I'd like to start off with, how would you introduce yourself? What would you say for our audience here? What is something that, how would you define yourself here briefly? Uh, what would you say? Yeah, so I am a leadership advisor, uh, which means I do a lot of consulting and coaching. Um, I'm also a speaker and I'm a new author. Mm-hmm. And the book is uh, Own Your Opportunities, The Story of Self-Discovery and Self-Determination. Um, yes. I love the title, by the way. <laughs> Thank and, you. Uh, I, I can't wait to talk about it here in this podcast. So um, the title itself, Own Your Opportunities, um, Taking Responsibility. What can you say about that? Yeah, I mean, you said it. It's a book about human responsibility and the responsibility being that we have to be very diligent in discovering ourselves first. I believe that self-discovery is the genesis of true leadership and also Our culture in America anyway, encourages us to live according to a certain track, which is to grow up, go to school, get a degree, get a job, pay your bills and die and get a family along the way. But our culture does not encourage us to self-manifest, to self-actualize, to self-maximize. And so Own Your Opportunities is about understanding and recognizing the gift that is inside of you and taking the responsibility to act, to tap into that seed of greatness inside of you and manifesting that. Which is ironic because we talk about being yourself, right? So that's something that we encourage in people. At the same time, we say, follow us and do the same thing as everyone else. So there's a conflict already. There is. I mean, that's a great point. Um, you know, I, I tell people, uh, w- one of my sayings is fail at fitting in. Mm-hmm. And in other words, if you really want to stand out, you have to be an original. If you really want to be recognized and be known for something, you have to be an original. And you you have to recognize that your authenticity has no competition. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I, um, you know, it's a, it, there is that, that conflict there of you're told one thing, but you're expected to live according to a different track. And so my book is about defying what culture says you ought to do and recognizing in yourself, uh, you know, what it is that you were created or born to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I love thinking outside of the box and even like defining myself. I don't see myself within that box and that's constraining. I feel like I'm actually outside of it. And I want people and encourage people to to jump outside of it, too, of like not limiting themselves in many ways. And that could be in, in any way. Their definition of themselves is often limited. And it's it's not even their own definition. It's often definition of others who try to define you and don't fall for that is what I would say. Yeah, I mean that I I feel like you've read my book, you know. <laughs> I mean because I there's a line in my book that um that speaks to not allowing other people to define success for you. You have to define that for yourself. Often it's like we measure success by money. So it's like if you have more money, you're more successful. Uh, again, that's debatable. But when we look at it, does it make you happy, though? I mean, you have a lot of money and we see uh, billionaires who are unhappy. 
And so it's not working. It's not, it's not helping you in many ways. So how can we change that, that shift, that uh, mindset of not seeing money as the main thing? And we uh, kids too, when they grow up, parents often say, be somebody important, like a doctor or a lawyer. But what if you don't like any of those options? Yeah. So I, you know, where, where money is concerned, I, um, I do believe that money adds to happiness, but what, what you have to understand is that true happiness is internal. Like you have to be happy within yourself, money or even power. It doesn't change a person. It only brings out what's already inside of them. And so when you have more money or when you are uh, in a, a, a huge spotlight or you have this broad platform, it only it, it's a magnifier of who you already are. So if you're not happy when you make 30,000 uh, in you in America's dollars, right? if you're not if you're not making 30, if you're not happy when you make $30,000 a year, you're not going to be happy when you make $300,000. a year. I mean, and so it's um, that's how I look at money. And I also tell people that, um, you know, money is replaceable, but time is not. Yes. And, you know, so that's, that's a very important lesson, but I, you know, I, I was fortunate to make a lot of money in my corporate career. And I mean, I was in the top 1%, if you will, of income earners, um, in America, um, according to our census data, but I, I will tell you at the height of my career, I was my most miserable. So, <laughs> but I did use my money to refurbish, my, you know, renovate my house and that made me happy. But, but the money alone does not make someone happy. Um, that happiness, it's your responsibility to make decisions in your life and, and moves in your life that you know is going to add to or create a happy uh, space within yourself. Yeah, and doing what you love. I mean, I that's a, searching for natural talents, as you're saying, because there are things that give you pleasure and that resonate with you and tapping into that. And so once you do that, the money will actually come because even if it's something that is generally not lucrative, you will do so well that it will be and it will be rewarding. And I think we shouldn't, uh, we should take that path. It's really important. And so even like when you look at things like the entertainment industry and it's like, uh, um, my son loves animation. So I encourage that because if you do it well, you're going to make a lot of money. That's actually a big business. And we noticed it during the pandemic where it's like, this is not only big business, but it's hugely important for our well-being. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 um, what the last corporation that I worked for had a saying that if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. And so you're you're absolutely right. You have to enjoy what you do. I I believe that at the intersection of what you love to do and what you do well at that intersection is your genius. You know, it's that space that you have to work towards and and you, you have to get to that intersection though. Um, and, and I totally agree when you are operating in with something that you love to do, and it's a natural gift for you, um, prosperity is within that, you know, I, I think, you know, and, and th these are the lessons that need to be taught. Like I wasn't taught this when I was growing up I, at a certain point, somehow through, um, or I, I think in my life, I, I think I had this pressure of being realistic, you know, you're told at some point 
that you need to find a career that is going to pay the bills, right? And and so, I mean, when we were children, though, I mean, you know, I could be whatever I wanted to be as a child, but then, um, but unfortunately, our culture, and by our culture, I mean by way of our parents or our teachers or just um, the people that we even see that, you know, that we look up to, it's like they they have this tone of, um, okay, you've got to be responsible now. <laughs> and uh, you have to do something that in their mind has substance to it. And so, yeah. <laughs> the dreams are so important. And it's, it's, it's sad that we lose touch with that because again, of our upbringing and we want to be realistic because being realistic in, in, in many ways can be limiting. It's important though. We don't want to live in fantasy, of course, but finding that balance again between like, okay, well, this is the reality, but what can I do to improve it? And I like a maximization, a maximization. I like that term. It reminds me of Maslow's self-actualization of not only reaching your potential, but even maybe going beyond that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Because I think there's always another level. There's always another gear inside of us. And even like, I feel like I'm at a point of where I have reached that apex according to Maslow uh, on, you know, self-actualizing, but I can even be better. I can, you know, write another book. I can, you know, do more speaking engagements. There's um, infinite possibilities, uh, uh, which can grow you even beyond getting to the certain, getting to that level that you, um, you know, where you see yourself. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, I just think that, um, we have it within us to keep growing, you know, keep maximizing, continue to be a better version of ourselves. And we always have something to reach, um, higher towards, yeah, and that, that would be the drive. And then once you do it and it's something you invested in, it works so much better. But I think many many people feel stuck and they feel stuck in their job or the routine or their educational lack thereof. And I think it's like it's really opening up that self-discovery because each of us has something to offer and it's unique. And if we really tap into that, that's the that's a gold mine. But we don't realize it. And trying to be like others, you're wasting your potential, your uniqueness that you have there. So um, how can we identify that? How can we touch, uh, get in contact with the, with that unique part of ourselves? What would you recommend? So, you know, first understand that your job is not who you are. Your nine to five job is not who you are. That title that you have, it's not who you are, but it's necessary to experience the job that you're on and to learn lessons because that job can help you along the journey to becoming or to discovering and then becoming who you are. I mean, that's what, what happened with me. I, I, I feel like in my career, I was given a lot of experiences and exposure to do different things and to find out what it was that I hated doing and what drained me. And, and likewise, I had other experiences that um, it, 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 it revealed um, a path of least, a path of least resistance for me. I mean, it's like when I found opportunities that I enjoy doing and I seem to do it naturally well and other people recognized me for it. That's when I was like, you know what, this, this is affirming for me. Um, I'm learning something about myself that I absolutely love to do. And it feels like a natural extension of me. And I will tell you, you know, 
at some point in my corporate, actually towards the latter part of my corporate career, I found myself in a space where I felt like my career had met my call. And, and it was the best place to be in. Um, and in that moment, it made me remember that I was a writer, I was a storyteller, I was a speaker all along. And somehow I had forgotten, I had forgotten the things that I love to do. And, and you know, for people out there who are listening to this, 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 this topic is so important because there are so many people who have forgotten their gift, right? And, and, and if you just tap into what you love to do as a child, when you were free and you could do anything that you want, for me, that's what happened. Like I remembered as an adult in my forties, I was like, you know what? I remember when I was eight years old, I used to write all the time. <laughs> I used to get, you know, awards for my writing and I used to speak so much and I used to get awards for my speaking and, and it made me feel so free and relevant. And you have to remember those feelings. And, and so, yeah, I mean, the gifts are inside of you. And, um, unfortunately we, 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 it's like we, uh, um, bury them because we're trying to make the money. You know, we have all these responsibilities and we're told that, you know, we've got to work, we've got to, whatever that job or that occupation is, we don't want to let it go to resurrect the, the gifts that were inside of us that we remember. And so, um, so it is a process. Um, we need the jo the jobs alone don't define who you are, but they can certainly help you recall who it was you were created to be. And that's what my my track did for me. And, and we hear lots of stories of people who are that age, like eight years old. I wanted to be a writer. And it's, I didn't really fall up on it. So you're inspiring me here. Thank you for that. <laughs> but it's it's when they're like eight year olds, there's like, I want to be a skier. And then they would ask me, like, well, like with champion of say, your nation, like in their country, like, no, the world. And it became true. And we have it with scientists too. It's like, I want to go to the moon. It's like, yeah, you're crazy. It won't happen. And they do, right? So it's really like that voice or that thing, that intuition. I think we have more access to it when we are younger. And then it gets clouded with all these like realistic thinking and pragmatic thinking, which is important and necessary, right? But at the same time, not to lose touch with that, that intuition, that voice, that vocation that you're supposed to do, that will give you pleasure, that uh, in, in they call dharma in, in, in other traditions of doing your spiritual duty as well, adding here another element to it. I think that's hugely important and often overlooked. Yes, it is. And what people have to understand at some point, this is what I understood, is that the longer I delay, the longer I hesitate, the harder it is to manifest um, because you need time. It's a process. Oh, yeah. You have oh, yeah. to trust the process. I mean, like um, the oak tree starts as a seed, but when you plant the seed, you don't get the oak tree the next day, right? It takes years to develop that. Now, the oak tree is a is a, I would say, an extreme example and and even a great example, depending on how big your dreams are. You know, some people may have more um, attainable dreams in terms of in terms of time, and 
here's the thing that people need to understand. Obey, you have to obey. You have to obey what's inside of you. You you know, it's like your gifts are like, a, they are rattling a cage inside of you and wanting you to let them out, let them free. And the longer you delay that, it, it just, you know, it just becomes a little bit harder to unlock the cage. Um, so, you know, just, I, I just encourage the listeners out there to keep that in mind. I think the opposite of obedience or the enemy to obedience, it's really not disobedience, it's hesitation. Okay. I think hesitation is something that can kill dreams. I love that. And it's like, but when you're talking earlier, I thought of the comfort zone because it's like you do a job and it's it's pleasant and you do you don't complain about it. Others like you too and your effort and your performance, but it might not be enough. And so not being afraid of reinventing yourself or trying out something new and see if that will give you even more pleasure instead of just doing the same thing and staying in that that comfort zone. So it takes courage to to step outside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it does. And, you know, one of the chapters in my book actually speaks to um, gaining experience and exposure and being willing to um, go outside that comfort zone, you know, be open to new opportunities. Um, and and that's just so important to, to try something scary <laughs> so that you can discover more about yourself. There's a lot of negativity too. There's a lot of opposition. And that is from even from families that mean well, but it doesn't help. The teachers you mentioned earlier that kind of cut down the the uh, the dreams that one has. And uh, um, also in terms of society, there's again, uh, various uh, obstacles there in, in many shapes and forms, which are again, which need to be overcome. And so it's, it's really like just trying to go against the grain in many ways and not being afraid of, of stepping out and not listening to those limiting voices. Yeah, I I totally agree. And one way to cut out some of those voices is to, um, you know, don't compare yourself, Um, you know, watch, watch, be careful of what you uh, subscribe to on social media, who you follow. And, you know, I mean, because and I'm saying this even to myself, there have been many times where I feel like I've been discouraged. I've discouraged myself because I'm swimming through social media and I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to be at this level or I need to be over there, you know, and, and I have to stop. I have to, uh, I have to tell myself, you know, you cannot compare yourself. You just have to trust the process. And, and you're absolutely right. The voices, um, I think when I first made my pivot out of corporate America into doing what I'm doing now, um, my dad, I, I just go back to my dad. I'll never forget one of the things he asked. And I know he was trying to be supportive, but he's from a different generation that, you know, you stay somewhere for 30 years and you get your watch. And that's, and but that was his generation. He was a baby boomer. But I just remember him asking, well, what you going to do about those benefits? You know, and little did he know, I mean, like I, I planned and, and, and this is a lesson, too, for those that are thinking about, um, you know, who, who want to manifest their own dreams, um, whether they make a complete pivot out of their nine to five or not. 
you've got to plan for it. Like it just won't happen. You have to take the time and be thorough and think about your finances and think about your team, you know, and think about what type of structure you need to create for yourself so that you create the blueprint for you to, to thrive and to, to actually build and, and manifest that dream that you have. And I love again, the title again, own your opportunities. So the opportunities are there that you need to take control of. And then you might have more opportunities or less again, and there are various factors involved there. But what you have, it's really taking responsibility, taking control and trying to make the best out of it, and then not limiting yourself by that, because from that opportunity, another opportunity will appear. And so just just keep going. Just, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's exactly right. One opportunity begets another opportunity. I, I see that all the time. And that's how you grow. And, 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 and that's why you can't start this path and give up. You have to be consistent. Um, baby steps yeah. still count as steps. <laughs> and and so in order for you got to crawl before you walk, you got to walk before you run. But it takes consistency to build up those muscles of endurance inside of you. And yes, you're going to make some falls and, you know, along the way, but those falls make you stronger. And what do you do? You get back up and you keep on walking and then you walk a little bit further or, what, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's a process and, and people have to understand that when it comes to dream manifestation. Yeah. There's always a path forward. I think that's that's really important that you will continue. And the failures, really, I mean, we, we talk about it. We don't like failing. Nobody likes it. It feels horrible. But I find like those are really those learning opportunities. That's uh, that's where you learn the most. And when people oppose you, I'm actually I'm, I'm grateful for people who are my enemies because they taught me a lot, much more than my friends. And they didn't maybe care about me, but that doesn't matter. They still help me. So it's turning something negative into positive that we have the opportunity to do so. And I think that's hugely important. And uh, I'm grateful for that too. It's not like, okay, because they hate me, I won't go forward. I will stop. No, do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I, you need those hard lessons, um, you know, because those, because here's the thing, every vision has to be tested. You have to be tested before you can be trusted. So vision, yeah, your vision is tested through the adversity, through the low finances, through the rejection, through people. You know, when I when I wrote my book, Own Your Opportunities, and um, and I for me and and the goals that I have um for my book. I knew that traditional publishing was the route for me. I, I knew that self-publishing wasn't going to help me achieve the goals that I wanted for my book. And so um, so my only path was traditional publishing. And do you know, I that process is extremely hard. I, I mean, know. just find an agent. I, I sent query letters to, to over over a hundred agents, including agents in Canada. Yes. And, you know, and I got rejected. I got rejected over a hundred times just to get to my one yes. And it took me a period of two years. Can you imagine that, you know, if I had decided to give up, 
if I had decided to cave in or fold because somebody told me no, because somebody told me that my project wasn't a fit for their list, I could have easily given up, but I didn't. And now I have a book. One of the things too, when people say like, if you don't believe in yourself, how do you expect others to believe in you? So that that vision, you really have to dedicate yourself to it. And uh, many writers have gone through that. I mean, this is just like, uh, they, they're they famous now, but if, if you ask them, it was a struggle, right, for them. And I want to think, I give a specific example here, a real life example of the Beatles. When they were in Hamburg, there was a point where nothing was working out and they had to decide, do we fold? Do we give up? Or do we continue? And then John Lennon says, we're going to continue to get to the top. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. But what if they had given up that night? Mm -hmm. The world would be much poorer because of that, because they did not mind their unique talents. And uh, now we have their music and their legacy. That's it. That's it. So, so yeah. So, you know, your vision has to be tested, right? Your dreams have to be tested. And, um, and, and it's up to you to decide if if you're going to survive that test. And you can survive it just by not giving up. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think, so what would you say about leadership though? What is something that uh, you would define as a good leader? What makes good leadership in your point of view? Yeah, I think that... Um, so I think that good leadership, um, well, leadership is about influence, um, according to John Maxwell anyway, right? Like I, I didn't coin that. And I think that's, I think that did come from him. I just want to give credit where credit is due. I, but I believe, and I said this earlier, and this is Juliet Hall. Um, I do agree with Maxwell on influence. Um, but I think that there's a more fundamental um, uh, um uh, essence to leadership, and that is the self-discovery. I think you you have to. Um, I think you lead from your strengths. I think that you, but you have to identify that right. The gifts, the natural gifts that are inside of you, and um, because you have to not only discover what your unique God-given inherent gifts are, um, you have to develop it. You have to share that with the world. And um, and I think the best leaders uh, serve through their gifts. I also think that leadership, like the best leaders, they identify, they identify like what makes them angry, right? And I think that, you know, the things that I, we say passion, I think that's a, another word that people use. That's a very popular term, but if you want to flip it, you know, if you want to give it a little bit more, um, more definition, think about what really stirs you up, what makes you angry, because that will also lead you to, um, I think, a purpose uh, for your life. And so leaders understand their purpose. Leaders understand um, the gifts that are inside of them that they deploy to help those around them better. Um, so, so that's, to me, that's why I say self-discovery is the genesis of true leadership. There's a certain honesty there that is necessary to being honest with yourself and identifying also not only your strengths, but your weaknesses and mm-hmm. also opening up to vulnerabilities. I think when I see that in a leader, when they are saying like, you know what, uh, that was wrong. 
I made a mistake because it makes them human and we can relate to them more as opposed to like, I have all the answers and I'm this perfect being. I already like shut up because I, I don't think that's possible and you lose that trust. But once you do that and you become like a, a whole human being, of course, you need to have more strengths and weaknesses. Otherwise, then that's going to be tough. But once you acknowledge those two and you're open to it, I think people will trust you more too. That's like a, an issue there that is often missing with many leaders that we see out in the world. I I, I agree. Absolutely. Um, you know, just how important trust is. And the reason for that um, is because like when I, when I do teach on leadership, like I, I, I start with the word, mm-hmm. the root word of leadership is lead mm-hmm. and lead is an action verb. It's not a passive verb. It's an action verb. So lead is about moving people from point A to point B. It's that movement. It's that progression. That's what leaders do. And so, you know, we call it influence and, you know, but it's a movement, it's a progression, but in order to get people to, to move for you, they have to trust you. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's all of that. Yeah. Leadership, Part of being a great leader is having a heart condition of um, humility and of um, character, you know, and there's a difference between character and reputation because character is who you are. Reputation is what other people say about you, but you know who you are behind closed doors. And if you're handling those books right, and if you're, if you have intentions of doing what you said you were going to do, I mean, all of those things matter in leadership. It's a, you know, when you have the right heart condition, you make it easy for people to trust you. Yeah. And also care and empathy, though, that and it doesn't mean that you do what they say. You just you, you can be firm, but you can do it in a gentle way. And I think that's really important because they say this person is steadfast, but they are open to listening to others and considering other points of views as well. You know, that that kind of balance there without giving into them, because that's that's then you become conformist and we don't want that. That's not a good leader either. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and knowing the individual, I mean, some people. um you know, you have to benefit, you have to communicate to the benefit of the receiver. So there are some people who just say, just give it to me hard or, you know, don't hold yeah. back. Yeah. And then there are other people who require um, maybe a, a softer touch in terms of, you know, sharing the hard lessons or giving feedback. So, and so, and I think that leads to another point is that, you know, great leaders, uh, really understand their people and they take the time to get to know their people and their stories and and you know through through building that type of relationship with them um you know leaders are intentional about communicating in a way where they receive the information I love the term shakers and movers because you need to shake up things and then you can move and others will follow you. And so I think that's hugely important. I want to talk about a paradox though, as we're talking about like putting in your effort, trying your best and so on. There is a point where, again, personal experience, where I find I try too hard. And when I try too hard, things don't manifest themselves. There's like a certain resistance. And I found it's not giving up. It's just like taking some time off or relaxing a bit and suddenly all these opportunities arrive. So the last year I tried too hard and things didn't work out. This year, everything is falling into my lap. And it's just my way of approaching things was in a more relaxed way. And I guess that resonates with others as well. Yeah. Um, well, that's, I mean, well, congratulations on that. You know, that it's, um, you know, that you're seeing the, 
the manifestation of um, all the seeds that you've sown. I mean, and I, I again, I, I think that um, can you ever try too hard? I don't know. I don't know if you like. I think that the you know, as you were saying that in my mind, I was thinking this is really about sowing seeds. It's planting the right seeds and nurturing those seeds, cultivating those seeds, and. Um, you know, and this goes back to trusting the process because, um, because growth actually happens in isolation. It happens, um, it happens in like, as people, it's like, I, I tell people you, your growth happens inwardly before it appears outwardly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so yeah. I just think that, yeah, I mean, do you, I don't know if I would say it's working too hard. I think you understand what you have to do and it reflects your commitment. Mm -hmm. It reflects your diligence. It reflects your belief and your vision and, and, and you know, and in your dream. And, um, and so um, I think it's an encouragement to, I mean, for you to say like, I'm work, I work so hard and there's a certain point where, because I think I, I understand what those feelings are. I understand that when you sow the seeds, there's still a period of waiting yeah. and it's the waiting that's hard. It's mm -hmm. the waiting of not seeing the fruit of your efforts, yeah. but you have to believe in the process in the germination in the, you know, in the growth. And eventually that growth breaks through the hard ground and, and then you see it, you see the blade and then, you know, and it just grows exponentially from there. I think trusting the process is so hard for people because we want to see things happen overnight or we want to see yeah. them happen a lot faster. I know I do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, you got bills to pay and all of that, but you know, but but you're seeing the fruit. And I hope that the listeners out there hear this, that you have to go through the process of sowing the seeds and being consistent and nurturing and cultivating and all of that. Um, you can't stop. The growth won't stop. Um, the more yeah, I love the you... term of waiting that you say, that is hugely important. Uh, in Chinese, they have wu wei, which is like acting while you're not acting. And that, again, takes effort sometimes of not trying to do too much, taking your time, taking like time off and then get back at it. So, I mean, for me, hugely important effort is hugely important. And I encourage everyone to work hard. But it's also taking that time off, letting things grow, letting the, the soil, like you might not be the right soil. So you have to find your seeds are good, but the soil isn't fertile. Try another one. And then so giving that opportunity, but taking the time to really find out what is it you want to do instead of just keep doing and doing. So that aimless, like working hard, but in different directions, I was like a blueprint. You mentioned that earlier. I think that's really important. What is my plan? And then think about the time you need, the waiting period. Take some time off, perhaps, in between of making sure you have the energy to continue. Sometimes it's just not the right time. And I found that last year. It's just like, yes, it wasn't the right time. Now is the right time. And we get that again. The intuition tells us like, okay, go, like the green light, you know? And sometimes it's not. And I think we have to be aware of that too, because otherwise we blame ourselves. They'd say, I failed because I did not try too hard. And yes and no, right? It's a complex issue. Yes, yes, yeah. But I mean, it's, 
um, you just have to keep going. I mean, that's just, um, that's, that's the lesson. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks so much, uh, Juliet Hall. So just want to remind everyone, your book is Own Your Opportunities, a story of self-discovery and self-determination. You've shown here self-discovery as well as self-determination, explained it really well. Thank you so much for being on Arash's World. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And please follow me on social media, on Instagram and on YouTube at Juliet Hall. I will do. And uh, the audience will as well. Thank you so much.